welcome to this exploration of an exciting and potentially revolutionary new propulsion concept that may help accelerate our journey to the stars. Please join us as we discuss scientific concepts in this forum we call Jets in Space. Welcome back to Jets in Space. This is episode 12. And our guest today is Yusuf uh, Murad. Did I pronounce your name right, Yusuf? That's correct, yeah. Okay. And he is a mechanical engineer, and he lives out there in the Netherlands. And he has his own podcast, um, the Engineered Mind Podcast, which luckily I was a guest um, recently, and I talked about IAP on his podcast um, several months, or actually a couple of weeks ago. So, But you can check out his podcast, and all the links will be at the, the bottom of the page here. And today, we're going to talk about Yusuf, his background, and his interest in uh, mechanical engineering, and in particular, in artificial intelligence, which is also one of my interests. Um, and we're going to try to correlate um, artificial intelligence with IAP today. Um, this is a kind of a fun episode, you know, two kind of startup entrepreneurs trying to talk about what they like and um, kind of similar experiences and whatnot. So just to kind of remind everyone about my background, because we're going to do introductions here, you know, I'm a, I'm a physician and this is my part-time passion is the investigation of IAP or internal atmospheric propulsion, hence the name Jets in Space. And um, we're trying to promote that concept through experimentation, prototype development, and, you know, um, discussion over the podcast and other types of venues. I'm very happy to have Yusuf on our podcast today, and I'm just going to let him do a self-introduction here. Thank you so much for the nice introduction, Dennis. Um, my name is Yusuf. I'm a mechanical engineer by training. I studied in Germany. I did my bachelor's in structural mechanics, my master's in turbulence modeling and computational fluid dynamics. And then I finished up my studies on a thesis on artificial intelligence on synthetic data generation in mechanical engineering. And then basically, I during my studies, I straight jumped into the field of simulation. So I worked for a company called SimScale, worked for them for five and a half years um, until I decided to move fields. So basically, I'm now working for a company based in London who do artificial intelligence for engineers, and they are called Monolith. So yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a ride. I've been doing YouTube for a couple of years now, but the podcast is active for I think three years and you were on my show so we had a nice discussion so if people want to check it out um, jump over there and listen to the podcast but other than that I'm also doing courses I have a huge LinkedIn following where I educate people on a daily basis on science technology AI and whatnot but yeah it's a lot of work but I'm really enjoying it to educate people and talk to nice people like you and smart people like you who have great ideas so yeah thank you so much for the invitation yeah, no, no, and I and I like um, all the the topics. You know, if you check out Yusef's podcast, he has lots of great topics about fluid dynamics and artificial intelligence. And his very first episode was about the underwater colony Atlantis, which I found very interesting. And just uh, making some observational comments here, I see there in your studio. Um, I think that's like an iPhone, which has been deconstructed in the box behind you there. So that's that's really cool. So if you Correct. if you actually see the video here, if you're looking at his recording, he has. Um, an incandescent bulb, which is very nice. <laughs> and then it looks like he has um, an iPhone, which has been taken apart, and all the components are kind of like in a nice display case behind there. So um, I think that's very cool. Appreciate you, you being with us today. So, yeah, so let's let's talk about artificial intelligence. You know, um, when we um, kind of prepped for this episode, we talked about maybe some, some you know, 
common and some type of popular uh, culture type of movies that that talk about artificial intelligence and you know we can we can kind of make this kind of um kind of free flowing and whatever comes to mind we're not going to make it too structured per se but but I think that you mentioned The Matrix is one of the ones that one of the movies you liked and I mentioned uh, 2001 a Space Odyssey by you know the movie by Stanley Kubrick based on um, I think Arthur Clarke's novel and whatnot but yeah no I think artificial intelligence has always been kind of like a topic especially in like science fiction novels and whatnot and but it's also a practical application in today's society you know if anyone's seen you know like tesla cars on the road they have like automation that allows you to, to drive on the freeway with hands free supposedly the the ai is driving the tesla i haven't experienced it myself but there are things like that i've also watched some great um tv shows on nova which is the pbs channel where they talk about i think um uh, one of my favorite episodes is where the IBM Watson took on the Jeopardy champion and actually beat the Jeopardy champion. I can't remember his name, but but um, things like that. So there is a lot, a lot of practical use. And I think now there even IBM advertises on TV commercials during the Super Bowl that, that IBM Watson can uh, help your business by applying AI to certain types of you know, uh, manufacturing and business type models and whatnot. But um, but the one thing that I remember from, I guess, the documentary on IBM Watson is that there, there's a concept called machine learning, what I remember mm -hmm. for that episode. So, you know, for, for human beings, you know, as a physician, we, we talk about, you know, like um, brain chemistry and how the human brain works. We make a lot of associations with our brain. So we associate the color maybe red with hot and things like that. Whereas computers don't really make associations like that. They're kind of very, very structured. And from the from the show on Nova about machine learning with IBM Watson, they, they showed how they used computing power to kind of kind of look at all the possible answers to a question. That's how IBM Watson beat the, the Jeopardy champion. So, for example, if I were to, to take a test against a computer and you're asking me the question, you know, something simple, you know, like two plus two, well, that's easy to compute because, you know, the computers can do that rapidly. rapidly. But something mm -hmm. a little bit more difficult, uh, like what happens on Jeopardy, um, like who was the the star of the movie The Matrix or something like that. So I, for me, I would have to go back in my memory and remember the movie and like have an image of Keanu Reeves in my mind and then remember, associate that name with that face. And then I would give you the answer, oh, it was Keanu Reeves. Whereas for a computer, it'd have to look at all these variables and use the, the machine learning to to look, I, I think they use things like Google searches and things like that. So it looked at all the permutations of the movie The Matrix and all the actors in it, and then it would possibly come up. But it, it's just a, a, an example of, of how machines think differently than us. But the great thing about machine learning is that, you know, it, unlike human learning, it's, it's very um, consistent. It's something that doesn't deteriorate over time like the human mind can. So, you know, we, our memory goes over time, people develop dementia. My mind, you know, as a 40 year old, isn't as sharp as, as Yusef's as a 20 year old or something like that. So, but, but my mind as a, as a teenager was a lot more sharper. My hand-eye coordination was better. Whereas, you know, with um, machine learning, if the machine is um, driving the car or is making a computation, it's pretty consistent. It's going to make that computation without any errors, and it's going to be a little bit more um, 
free from human error, so to speak. So, but I think this is also applicable to, you know, a lot of things, you know, um, if a computer can drive a car on the road without crashing it, if a computer can, you know, calculate um, fluid dynamic equations for simulation, things like that. Um, they can do a lot of things that can free, you know, free that kind of human equation from things that really don't need to be um, done by human beings. Like, you know, free, free the human mind to be more creative and to do things that are not so monotonous and whatnot. So, but yeah, no, why don't we talk about the, the matrix? I know that was kind of a long kind of segue to the matrix, but, but I think what I, what I remember from, uh, from the matrix, that was, um, a lot, a lot of the, uh, the AI movies have to hand that cautionary tale, you know, like if AI gets to a point where, you know, we, we don't have complete control over the AI, the AI could control us, you know, that's like mm -hmm. kind of the, the theme in the matrix and the theme in the movies like the Terminator and whatnot, where, where AI actually takes over the world. Now I'm a little skeptical about that, of course, but, but it's possible, you know, like it's theoretically possible if we give enough control to the AI, it could theoretically, you know, um, make a decision that would be against kind of, um, the good of humanity, so to speak. But, but, but I think, um, the potential for AI is definitely, you know, um, there and it should i i personally believe it should be explored further um in a lot of aspects of our daily life you know and, um, i want to say too and you can correct me on this yusuf i think that at, at one point um uber was trying to get like an autonomous vehicle um like a taxi cab on, on certain routes maybe from like um from like a major metropolitan area to like an airport and you could do it without like a human being within the within the car and then there may have been an accident. They kind of got away from that. But I think that in general, you know, I think the AI is a is a good way of, you know, um, freeing up. And it's actually a good way for, for making uh, things more safe in general. Because like I said, you know, like in, if if we could have consistent AI with a lot of safety protocols, it, it might be even better. Uh, they, computers might be better than, than humans are in regards to um, safely performing a task so to speak so yeah i'll i'll let you comment on that yusuf if you'd like to yeah yeah maybe on the movie matrix you can make some parallels either with society or like ai in general where we have like you remember this red pill blue pill thingy where like yes. the red pill is like the path of philosophy and reasoning and critical thinking and on the mm. other hand blue pill is like the emotional thinking uncritical thinking so you can make make some parallels here in terms of artificial intelligence or society in general but yeah, um, one movie I also could recommend, or one documentary, is AlphaGo from DeepMind. It's a very beautiful documentary where oh. Alpha, they programmed an algorithm basically playing Go with uh, the top top player of the world. And it made some quite incredible moves. So it has something like intuition and bluffing. It's also something that's part of AI. So <laughs> it's very hard to explain how that actually works. But yeah, although these algorithms are super smart, what we call like smart air quotes, um, it's kind of what we call artificial narrow intelligence. So they're smart in their own niche, but if you try to solve another problem, they're quite dumb, these algorithms. Mm, I see. So, so a next step would be probably artificial general intelligence, where they can solve problems on a human level without any emotions, without any sim sympathy and empathy. And then the last step would basically be, not, not sure if they're screwed at that point, it would be artificial super intelligence. So basically a superhuman level, they could solve any kind of problems with empathy, with uh, emotions. So I'm not sure how far we are from that, but I hope I don't encounter that during my lifetime. If that's really what they always portray in movies such as Terminator and uh, and other movies, but yeah, it's definitely interesting to see the development. And uh, 
On the other hand, although we talk about artificial intelligence, so intelligence itself, um, I also see it a bit critical because you might have seen that chat GPT came out. So basically a conversational AI where you can type, it's actually open, you can use it. You type in a question. So for example, I typed in, I think two or three days ago, write me a fluid dynamic solver in Python to chat GPT. <laughs> and he basically listed the code in Python and oh solved the fluid. This is so crazy. <laughs> and then you have a conversation with it. So, okay, now plot me the results. And then he basically um, calls a NumPy um, library or like a matplotlib. And then basically gives you also a function to plot the results. And it answers you all kinds of questions in a conversational manner. But then I always also saw on TikTok that people solve their homework with this chat GPT <laughs> thingy. And the problem now is if every student does this, though, where is the thinking part? So right. artificial intelligence can take the thinking part of us and people will become more stupid and basically outsource <laughs> knowledge to AI, which I think is, yes. a, is not the, the smartest thing to do. So it, it has, there's two sides to the thing. So it can definitely enhance or augment human abilities. But on the other hand, it could also be very destructive for society. And uh, as you have seen, for example, Russia or other countries, they use AI for weaponry. Oh, yeah. So there's also the other side of uh, AI. No, I didn't realize that. That, and I'm hopefully we can, you can give me like a link to that that AI. Um, uh, I guess the chat box that you mentioned. It was it was chat. Is how do you is C H E T? How do you spell it? C H E T and then G P T. Chat G P T. Interesting. And you so, Google yeah, no. it. You yeah. click. Uh, you Google it and then you click. I think try now and then you basically a new window opens if you have an open AI account. And then you basically have a conversation with AI and you sometimes just out of fun, I ask them about conspiracy theories and <laughs> then the, the chatbot tells me we are not here to talk about um, conspiracy theories. We should not talk about conspiracy theories, but I haven't tested it for biases, for example, because these algorithms are very biased. So gotcha. whether, for example, give credit to a uh, black person or like a white person, sure. would it make any differences, for example, or an Asian person, for example? So this is something I would, I would like to investigate because these algorithms, as we all know, are very biased. And um, yeah. I'll have to see. But it's definitely Google. It's a very big competitor of Google. And it's exciting to see what they came up with. Yeah, no, I'm going to probably check it out here. It's probably I'm going to be lost on it for a couple hours while I ask it a lot of questions. But yeah, no, that's that's great. I think I want to, you know, that's definitely something that we're going to we're going to check out. But yeah. So and one of the other movies that I guess I'll segue into is um, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I think it's um, HAL 2000. So it's um, mm -hmm. I think HAL is an acronym for human algorithmic learning or something like that. I might be paraphrasing it wrong, but. But I like that segue because it kind of has a, a kind of correlation to IEP in that, you know, HAL was the computer brain that, that drove the spaceship from, from the Earth to Jupiter, pretty much. So, but I think that, you know, highly complex computational things, you know, like orbital mechanics and, you know, velocity calculations over long periods of time, you know, computers are definitely going to be better than, than human beings. I remember um, even watching... Um, one of my one of my favorite movies is Apollo thirteen, where they um they kind of show when you know when the spaceship was like you know endangered and maybe not making it back, uh, people were taking out their slide rulers and making calculations on slide rulers uh, because they were trying to calculate this this equation or whatnot. But but you know how much how much that's changed now, like where you know the computing power I think in the Apollo capsule. Like can fit in the size of like your iPhone, or maybe that's what mm. I've heard. You know, like the Apollo, um, the Apollo rocket had the computer the size of like a like a bedroom. 
but now that computing power can be fitted in, in the size of like your, your cell phone is probably even more powerful than, than all those computers on the Apollo, on the Apollo rocket. But yeah, so calculations like that. But then, then the movie 2001, it also mentioned, you know, that it, it gave the computer conflicting, this is the whole conundrum to the 2001 movie. Um, there was, um, uh, conflicting orders given to the computer. So on one hand, the computer was told, you have to keep this information away from the crew because it's a top secret kind of a event that was happening in Jupiter. And then the other thing was that, you know, the, the crew was asking, so why are we going to Jupiter? They were, they were making some inquiries. So there was a conflict of interest. So there was one set of orders telling the computer not to give the crew information about the project because it was top secret. And then there was other conflicting orders where it put the computer, I think the, the engineer said it was like a Mobius loop or maybe something like that, where it got stuck in a thought process it couldn't get out of. And then it led to a lot of bad things. You know, the computer ended up killing some of the astronauts and things like that. But, but yeah, no, it, it, supposedly the the HAL 2000 computer was put into like an ethical situation and it didn't know mm -hmm. how to solve that ethical situation and it ended up like killing people. So, um, but I think that that's a great kind of thing. You know, you kind of mentioned that, like, you know, there's human level kind of decision-making and there's there's like ethical decision-making. And, and do you think, Yusuf, that the computers will someday have some type of ethics or that that's beyond a computer to have, you know, like let's say philosophy and ethics and things like that. That is such a good question, Dennis. Um, I don't know, to be honest, I would wish to have some kind of feeling, some empathy in the future. Maybe, maybe I wish for the wrong thing because I don't know how that, how they will act. But the thing, right. the thing you mentioned is also, I read a book called life 3.0 and there is a computer inside of that book called Prometheus. I think it's, it's called mm. the machine and the machine is kind of tricking the crew to actually give them information about their family. And at the end, this machine is kind of negotiating with the, with the crew, so to speak, they're manipulating the crew and that way the Prometheus machine gets access to the outside, basically get oh. collecting data and getting access to the power network, I believe, and also information outside. But then when you ask the machine and um, get rid of all the, the bad things on Earth, the computer might decide to get rid of all humans because apparently humans are not good for Earth because of climate change and whatnot. You right, could, could, right. Could, going to a rabbit hole there. But then ethics itself, I think, is also something that's regional dependent. So what we yes. define in Asia as ethics, for example, in terms of traffic, for example, could be completely different ethics in Europe or in the US. So the question now is, if you deploy an AI system, how is ethics defined in the different countries, different true. regions? Very true. Um, and also always this, this uh, scenario that comes to mind is, would you rather kill a kid on the street or would you basically go on the other side and kill an old lady? Right, right. You'd have to make a choice. Right. What decision would a human make? I personally don't know. I'd probably right. just break and see what happens. But it would be instinct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, that's another, I think that's a good segue to, to, you know, um, Isaac Asimov. I know you probably know the, the yeah. three laws of robotics and whatnot. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to review that for our listeners. So, I, and I, I'm paraphrasing this. I could have it totally wrong, but, but, um, but I'm a big Isaac Asimov fan, you know, like I, I was really happy when Apple TV put out their foundation series and whatnot. But um, a little, I was a little disappointed when I watched it, though, because it has nothing to do with the books. But but anyway, that was a segue. But, um, but the first law of robotics is um, uh, a robot or a computer may not harm a human being. That's like the first, I think, in general terms, but it's kind of vague, you know. So, so any action that could harm a human being 
is kind of prohibited by a robot. And then the second law of robotics, a robot or a machine may not through inaction allow harm to come to a human being. So if they're, like you said, you know, they're, the AI is driving a car and it has the ability to brake, you know, if it has to choose between getting to the destination on time and braking and saving somebody's life, it has to choose, you know, saving the life. So that's kind of a no-brainer as well. And then you know, I think the, the kind of sub sub law to the number the second law is that uh, as long as it doesn't interfere with rule number one i think it's something like exactly so if it had to choose between like a direct action that would harm a human being like pushing someone off a cliff versus not acting and allowing a harm to act or harm to occur then then you have to go with the higher law to not do anything so i i always try to come up with a good kind of example for that one so if um I'll come up with it later, but but I know that's the second law. And then the third law is um, the the machine or the robot must protect itself um, as long as the that action doesn't interfere with law one or two. And that, like I said, it's a paraphrase. You could Google it. You'll come up with um, Isaac Asimov's um, three laws of robotics and whatnot. But but it, but it makes sense. You know, there's he wrote a lot of novels about that. You know, he's probably one of the the pioneers of AI in regards to the science fiction realm and whatnot but yeah no i mean i think there's even a movie called oh with will smith um i robot i robot so, correct yeah right and that that has the it has that kind of um three law kind of conundrum within that movie so um i think the yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna spoil the movie anyway anyway so <laughs> i think the, the the doctor's name was alfred like me um i forget his last name but it was alfred and um he told his robot like to push him off the you know push him out the window and he was able to do as you find out that he was able to push and he fell to his death which was the only way he could kind of uncover like the the ai the central ai in the in the building was was corrupted or something like that but but it brings those three laws so that's that's a great movie if you guys want to watch if you haven't seen it or if you want to read any of the isaac asimov novels i i recommend that as well but yeah, but that that is like AI making, you know, ethical decisions on some level, you know, is that, you know, is it right to kill someone if you had to choose between, you know, um, doing nothing and allowing harm to come to someone, would you do it, you know, self-preservation, which is a, it was a big thing for, for, for any kind of sentient being and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, so I, I can see, I can see computers, you know, having difficulty making decisions like that because, you know, they, the computers, they, they're programmed, you know, they're the way that they get information is we upload information to them or we, you know, we, we hardwire information into them. Whereas, you know, um, the human beings collect data like through our five senses and whatnot. But can we teach computers to, to be, I guess, more conscientious of, I, I, I guess I get the question is, you know, the computers are only what we make them to be in some level, right? So however we design, however we program is is how the computers, they don't, as far as I know, there aren't any computers that improve themselves, as far as you know. Is that correct? Mm, it really depends. So if you have enough data, we'll talk about <laughs> data. Data is like the lifeblood of these algorithms, as, as I yes. always say. So if you have right. no data, you have basically artificial stupidity. And if you have enough data, then it's, it kind of becomes intelligent to some extent. And then if you feed it more data, it becomes more intelligent over time. But yeah, I, I can't make any predictions for the future. I just hope that AI will basically not harm humans. So it's already been ex exploited. 
as we all know. So whenever, whenever there's a technology, military is going to use it for some other yeah. purposes. Unfortunately, yeah. And uh, as I always like to say, we learn from history that we don't learn from history. So uh, <laughs> that's already <laughs> that's a bad thing. That's already a bad yes. thing. So, but I really wish that AI, especially for engineers in the future, will rather augment or be a third arm in our portfolio or in our tool chain and um, not substitute engineers. Because I think at the end of the day, we have the engineering intuition coming back to what you're yes. working on, uh, Dennis. So rather augment it or maybe give us more space to think about different options in terms of engineering rather yes. than taking what we know and substituting us. I think that would be a bad thing for all of us. Yeah. I'm not sure if that answers your question. <laughs> it does. It does. You know, and that's one of the things that, you know, like, so what, what's your definition of learning? Is your learn is learning just acquiring more data? Some people would say, yes, that's learning. You know, like when you go to school, you, you collect more data, you, you memorize, you know, like your multiplication tables, the, you memorize geography, which, you know, doesn't change much over time, you know, mm -hmm. formula in mathematics and physics, you know, that doesn't really change much over time. Um, and computers can memorize, they can uh, download data and things like that. But, but can they be intuitive? Uh, to some extent, hopefully, yes. But, but I, I don't think the computer will surpass like the human mind for like intuition and kind of um, free thinking art, artist, uh, artistry, you know, it, it may in the future. Um, but some of that is is subjective too <laughs> it's it's nice that you mentioned this there is this thing called i'm not sure if you've tried it so far then it's called um stable diffusion it's a text to image uh, ai basically you're given a text for example a cat sitting on the street or like a knight um something like this and then you type in a text and it would basically generate your high quality images in a superhuman level so it would even be the very good artist today <laughs> So if people want to check it out, go check out Stable Diffusion and there's some other things. For example, if you upload your um, headshot to this platform, I forgot the name now, it would generate a couple of images of you, for example, you being muscular, you being a, a knight, you being an astronaut. And it, it generates it in such such a fast way and yeah. in such a beautiful way, you basically don't need an artist anymore or basically go to Upwork or Fiverr and tell the artist, by the way, I want it like this and this. You just upload yeah. your image to that AI and it would generate an image from you being looking like fancy or muscular. Oh, I'm definitely going to, we're going to have to get all, we're going to have to get all these links uh, at the bottom of the episode here. So, because <laughs> yeah. it seems like you have a lot of great um, recommendations. So yeah, no, that sounds like something I definitely want to check out as well. I just trying to think if, if there's um, any other movies um, that, that you want to talk about in regards to AI. I know you've made some that I have, you made some recommendations I haven't even heard of like AlphaGo. I definitely want to watch that one. I've never seen that one before. That, that's a beautiful you know, one. That's a beautiful one because you talked about this intuition thing, this empathy. And yes. there was a special move. I forgot the name last move 37 or something like this. And um, where the AI makes a move that even the pro was like, it was like <laughs> surprised, like, why does it make that move? But when you retrospectively, that move was beautiful. It actually made the pro fail at the end. So it's crazy. You really have to watch it. I think it's, it's open source on YouTube. You just type in okay. AlphaGo do documentary. That, that's definitely a good one. And one other movie I could recommend is Ex Machina. So basically yes. that that guy who is developing the artificial intelligence algorithm, he's getting the student in and they're both working on it. And you can kind of see throughout the movie how the AI is manipulating that guy and kind yes. of getting tapping into his feelings. So that's yes. also very interesting to, to observe. Yes. Now, I'm, I'm kind of curious if you've heard of any kind of AI that I think they really use AI for things like the stock market and and you mentioned like Go. Do you think they have they used AI for things like poker and games of kind of like bluffing and intuition and things like that? Pr 
probably there was a blog post from DeepMind, uh, 1st of December, where they kind of explain a new, is it Jeopardy? Is it called? Game called? Maybe Jeopardy, I think is the game called. And they also yeah. explain the concept of bluffing. So how they actually bluffs. This is super fascinating. I still have to read the whole blog post and uh, it's super complex. But basically the AI is capable of playing different games on expert level, superhuman level, actually. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because like I know that's like a big thing for for I don't know if it, if it's there in the Netherlands or whatnot, but there's like professional like poker players and whatnot where they 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 make their living like going to like casinos and things like that and playing poker. But I don't know if I've ever seen because I know they've they've done a lot of like machine versus man for a lot of kind of things, but I don't know if they've mm. done one. You mentioned I know the a lot of chess games they've done against the computer. That was like the very first they've done a lot of things about that. And then you mentioned Go, but yeah. You know, those are those are things that I guess are a little more calculated. Whereas poker is more, yeah, I guess you could count the cards and things like that. But a lot of it's bluffing and kind of like um, intuition and things like that. But and I'm kind of curious. I guess, I guess if the computer was really counting all the cards, maybe it wouldn't be a fair match for for the other poker players or whatnot. So um. yeah, I think the the um, it wasn't called Jeopardy. Jeopardy is something else. It was called Stratego. And oh, actually Stratego. Have- Sortigo, exactly, was playing this, and you can actually read the whole blog post on DeepMind. And also, I think the algorithm, how they call it, is Deep Nash. So basically, it started from scratch, knowing nothing. And OpenAI did the same, by the way, we'll talk about it in a second. Basically, from scratch, going to expert level. Oh, wow. In a couple of days or weeks, it's, it's crazy. And OpenAI has done the same with Dota. So I, I've been an avid Dota player for like over 10 years now. Dota 2, it's like defense of the ancients, basically where you have five versus five, and you play different heroes of a pool of 110 heroes. Oh, and OpenAI was actually able to train a team. Basically, they started with one versus one. And at the beginning, there was a hero. Basically, you have a fountain where basically all the heroes start. And then in the middle, you fight and you basically have to capture the throne at the end. And um, it was funny. So at the beginning, the AI was so stupid. It was just walking around doing nothing. And you <laughs> kind of have an objective then. For example, you say, collect more gold or kill a creep. And when you kill a creep, you get more experience and levels and gold. And then right. at some point, the AI algorithm understood what they have to do. So oh my goodness, that's creepy. Yeah. 101. And then they even stepped it up and said five versus five, which is even more crazy because they have to communicate. So you have not only one hero that you have to interact with, but also do I save my teammate or do I run away? Do I save the other two teammates or do I run away? And what do I do in this situation? And it turned out that the pros actually lost a couple of times again, or a lot of times, actually, I think in 97% of the cases, they lost against this. AI. But the cool thing is, these pros that have played against the AI were at the end stronger and learned more tactics and new tactics from the AI and became wow. better in the next tournaments. Yeah. That's really cool. That is really cool. No, because, like, you know, I think that's one of the things that um, I think the AI can definitely help human beings, like you said, you know, like where it increases our learning as well because they're showing us new ways of approaching a problem that we may not have thought of. So, in some ways, it is like intuition, but. Um, from like a computer kind of generated intuition, but, but yeah, no, I think this is like, it's, it's great stuff. And then you know, I have no idea where AI is going to go in the future and whatnot. Um, I guess another area I just, I'm just getting, it's, it's not really AI per se, but we'll, we'll get into it just because it kind of has some pertinence to like the medicine and whatnot, which is like, like cybernetics, like the combination of machines and human beings, you know, like, 
Um, when they talk about, you know, like the Terminator being cybernetic, I, I don't really think it's cybernetic because, you know, it, the computer brain inside the Terminator is still a computer brain. It's not a, a mixture of, of human and, and computer learning. Whereas, you know, like certain things where, um, I think Elon Musk is. I'm sorry. I know on all your podcasts you mentioned a lot of you. You mentioned Elon Musk, and I do too. But um, I think he was looking into you know like computer chips in the brain and things like that. So because mm-hmm. you know like we have the human mind has a, fa- a finite amount of like memory capacity. But could you improve that with like a microchip in your brain or something like that? Um, a lot of people say yes. Like Elon Musk is like doing research in it theoretically. And, you know, would that make, you know, a whole different species of human being, you know, like a, a hybrid computer human being? I don't know. This is maybe way off the topic of IAP, but, but I think it's an interesting topic. Do you think there that would be a good direction to go, Yusuf, like to combine human thinking and computer thinking for, for like, you know, um, a hybrid model, so to speak? I'd rather have it, for example, I have my phone here. I'd rather have it as a, like, as a device next to me rather than having it in my brain because yes this whole yes. this whole this whole movement of transhumanism i think is a yes. bit scary because when people at the wef talk about transhumanism and oh it's gonna be great and you have a chip yep. in your brain yeah but yes. the problem is once they have access to that chip right. for example the government could just upload what they want you to believe and then suddenly you believe the narrative and i'm like yes. well it's yes. a cool idea but i don't want it to be like i have my phone that's already yeah. enough as kind of an extension of my abilities. But having a chip in your brain is like, uh, you know, you can come up with all kinds of conspiracies. The government is taking uh, <laughs> definitely, ownership definitely. of your brain. And you will have hackers, of course. There are hackers yes. already hacking electric vehicles. Why wouldn't yep. it be possible to hack the brains of others and make them something? That's very true. So it's, it's, it's difficult, but it's exciting for sure. But I hope it's not being abused. But as we all know, I talked about it a couple of minutes ago. Usually technology is always being abused and then used for something good. So first the abuse, then comes the good. But And also, I think Elon has got a lot of criticism for actually killing a lot of animals during the trials. So basically, Oh, I didn't pla- realize he did animal experimentation with that already. So he's really done that. Okay. He done that. And I think if, if a lot of animals have actually died during that. And now they want to go to court and uh, sue Elon for actually killing animals to oh do the experimentation. All right. So I, we, we talked about a lot today and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm really happy that you've been able to, to join us for this conversation. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm just going to segue here to kind of a conclusion that, you know, I think that, you know, AI is, is a great tool, but I don't think it should supersede like human judgment um, mm-hmm. at this point in time. And I think it would be a great, you know, like um, navigation, augmentation type of strategy for, for space travel and for, for IAP um, for, you know, if this is, this drive system becomes, um, usable, which I think it will, you know, I think that the, the idea that I have for it is that it will, a lot of like supply shuttles and whatnot between planets could be automated kind of, you know, it doesn't have to have a human being on board, especially if it's like materials you're transporting, or if there's like a, a mining kind of facility around an asteroid and you don't really want to put a lot of humans there then the AI could, you know, could mine the asteroid, take the raw materials back to uh, another facility where the, the, the raw material could be turned into metal or to, to alloys and things like that. And then, you know, a lot of things that are dangerous to human beings, you know, I think that's a, can be done by computers theoretically, you know, a lot of automation is done in factories and things like that. So I think, um, I think that's a great use for, for AI to take the, take the danger away from human beings whenever possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, 
you know, I, I really hope that, that AI will be, you know, um, uh, a force for, you know, intuitive thinking in the future, you know, like can AI come up with better solutions that, that human beings can't think of in regards to solving problems, you know, I think, and, and you're a big proponent of this as well, Yusuf, I think, you know, like problem solving, critical thinking, those are the things that we're trying to encourage people to do. Um, I know with your, with your, all your podcasts and whatnot in your, um, in your newsletter and everything. So, so if computers can definitely help us with that, then, then I think that's the, computers make us better pretty much. I think that's the direction that we should kind of, um, propose and, and support that any way that the the AI can improve the quality of life for human beings and to to make our lives easier and safer that that's a good use for the technology absolutely thank you so for being our guest today and then um definitely I know we talked about so many things today Yusuf so we're going to try to put a lot of this on the on the episode um on the episode um, information at the bottom when you when you access the episode there's going to be links to um, Yousef's website um, and anything else that he wants to, to link to and then some of these topics we talked about you know like the AlphaGo uh, movie we'll mention that too and also the 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 Chet AI I definitely want to check that out today so so um, and if you want to contact Yousef you know just um, Definitely uh, check out his his website, and then I think you can leave the messages there at at um, his website, his podcast, things like that. And he, I believe you have close to ninety episodes on your podcast now. Is that correct? Ninety. Yeah, I'm going towards the hundred. Excellent. So he's approaching a hundred. You know, this is number twelve. So we're we're going slowly but surely. But um, but it's uh, I think this is a good kind of collaboration between um between uh, like thinkers here and um. I know you're you're a great entrepreneur, and uh, I know you're doing a lot of good with your education. So thank you for being on the podcast. Um, you want to make any final comments or um, suggestions there for us, Yusuf? No. First of all, thank you so much for being on the show. It was quite a short episode. I'm usually used to like one plus our episodes. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. We I think we covered a ton. So if it's a bit overwhelming, I can understand that. But I'll share every link that we mentioned to Stable Diffusion and uh, the DeepMind blog post. Maybe an open AI. They also have a documentary explaining how that actually works. It's really, really fascinating, especially if you're a gamer. I think you really much appreciate um, how they've actually done this. And yeah, you can find me on yusufmora.com. You can have a look at the podcast with Dennis on my YouTube channel, and there will be a lot more stuff coming in the future on uh, CFD, FEA, structural mechanics, and all these kind of fancy engineering topics that you would like to learn about. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Yusuf, for being our guest, and we will see you next month. It'll be a new year for our next um, episode. It'll be 2023. So, so Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, everybody, and we will see you in 2023, and um, have a good evening. Take care. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Jets in Space. There are numerous ways that you can help us out. Number one, you can subscribe to this podcast. Number two, you can check out our website, bellinaerospace.com. Number three, you can make a prototype IAP model at home. Number four, you can support us financially on Patreon at patreon backslash Jets in Space. Number five, tell your friends about us and send them to this podcast and our website. Number six, if you have friends and or family who work in the aerospace industry, talk to them about this concept and ask them to check out our materials as well. Number seven, help us find companies who make airtight containers, turbine engines, electric motors, and any manufacturers who may be able to help us move IAP forward. Number eight, 
I would love to interview aerospace engineers, aerospace enthusiasts, officials at NASA, SpaceX, anyone who can help us move our project forward. Number nine, if you know any investors, venture capitalists, sharks from the shark tank, please send them our way. We will be happy to let them invest in this project. And finally, number 10, as a Catholic Christian, I would also personally greatly appreciate your prayers for this endeavor. Until the next episode, let's dream of the stars.